0: Welcome to the Front Office Exchange, where we take a look at the careers of executives and rising stars within the sports business. Now here's your host, Jake Failing. Welcome to episode 22 of the Front Office Exchange Podcast. Today we'll hear from Ken Halpin, Athletics Director for Winthrop University. Winthrop is a public school in Rock Hill, South Carolina, which is just south of me here in Charlotte, and it's a member of the Big South Conference. So, what were you doing in sports business in your mid-30s? That's what I kept asking myself when talking to Ken, Winthrop's new AD as of last summer. He's a PhD with an early career outside of sports business, and he's really hit the ground running here in the greater Charlotte area with Winthrop. Um, I was referred to Ken by past guest Troy Kirby, host of the Dow Sports Podcast, and he was exactly as advertised. Super impressive and a clear rising star in the industry. Ken discussed what it was like for him, both personally and professionally, he was a West Coast guy, to move his family from the West to East Coast while giving a unique look into what the first six months are like for a new and for him, a first-time AD. He could not stress the importance of his PhD enough, how that's helped him, and said that learning the value of revenue generation early on in his career has helped him immensely as he's progressed. One piece of advice he was given uh, by a mentor that he shared with me, uh, and it related back to his PhD again, uh, and when he was considering whether to go through with it and apply, and that piece of advice was, look, Stop thinking about how smart you are or aren't, the mentor said, because Ken was, he had doubts. He said, it's about persistence and how hard you will work. And I think that's something we can all appreciate. You'll hear this and much more in this episode. So without further ado, Winthrop University Athletics Director, Ken Halpin. Ken Halpin, welcome to the Front Office Exchange. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So before we started recording here, you, you talked about the oncoming... Um, Snowmageddon, or I don't know what you're calling it there, but you have only uh, been on the East Coast for a short period of time. Um, you're used to cold weather up in Washington. How are you handling all this? Have you bought enough milk and bread?
1: <laughs> well, uh, I'm fortunate in our home. I actually, my wife actually, um, bakes all of our bread from scratch, raising the dough and everything. So we're going to we got we got tons of flour. Uh, we're good there. But, yeah, no, um, you know, moving from Spokane, Washington, um, I was a little taken off guard the first time I got the phone call saying, are you considering canceling game for snow? To be honest, that was the first time I've ever gotten a phone call like that. Um, But it it also makes sense. You know, I mean, we we always joke, like, I don't think the city of Rock Hill would receive a lot of um, support from our local community to invest in a bunch of snow removal removal equipment uh, because that money would, you know, mostly go unused. So, yeah, and it it doesn't take much snow to throw the town off kilter and and we get that. Um, That being said, um, you know, we we anticipate it was coming. Our visiting teams um, came a day early to beat the snow. And and for us, the world of rescheduling is is a pretty significant complication with the various, um, a number of different factors that weigh in on it. So we do plan to play. Um, I just have had more conversations than I would have anticipated about people asking if we're going to, cancel or reschedule. And I've continued to say, you know, unless the governor's office forces us to do otherwise, we're going to continue playing basketball games.
0: Yeah. Well, before we get too far ahead of ourselves, we're taping this the first week of January. uh, And Ken, you are the first AD on the podcast. So congratulations and no Well, that's
1: exciting to hear. I appreciate that. You made history today.
0: You've got it. You got it. Um, But yeah, so you are uh, athletic director at Winthrop University uh, in Rock Hill, South Carolina, which is... I think I can see from South Charlotte. So, um, and, and yet here we are doing this uh, over the phone. Uh, but no, hey, congratulations. I know you're still uh, relatively new in the role. So, congratulations on that. And, you know, my hope was to start if you could talk about what the last six, seven months have, has looked like for you, maybe what the uh, recruiting process was to bring you here uh, to the East Coast, and then we'll work backwards from there.
1: Yeah, no, it's been it's been a, an amazing experience. Um, having lived my whole life in the Pacific Northwest, uh, you hear a lot of um, cliches about Southern hospitality, uh, but you never, know, you know, until you experience it, it's really something. It's hard to prepare for. And so, Rock Hill, I mean, he's been maybe the most hospitable city on the planet. My wife and I and our family have been treated incredibly, and it's been it, it's helped make our transition extremely positive. Um, you know, with that. You know, when you ask about the recruiting process to get into this position, uh, it's unique. Um, It's the first athletic director position I've, you know, sort of gone after and and interviewed for. And so I'm lucky to be, you know, one for one at this point uh, and hopefully stay that way for a long time. But I was up at Eastern Washington University and had gotten to know several folks from um, some of the the various search firms, including – Um, Collegiate Sports Associates, who was the firm managing the search at Winthrop, and I'd gotten to know one of the um, executives with um, Collegiate Sports Associates, and just trying to educate myself on, as I try to prepare in my career to grow into an athletic director's position, what steps can I be taking to really make sure I'm broadening my experience so that I can be the best possible candidate to successfully lead a department someday as I was continuing to try and provide the greatest service I could to Eastern Washington University. And so, as I was learning through that, um, they happened to get the Winthrop search and then mentioned it to me. And um, uh, it was something I was extremely interested in pursuing. Felt like I was ready. I'd completed um, some specific projects. I'd set out to complete at Eastern Washington. I'd completed my doctorate degree, and, and I was—I felt like I was ready for that transition. Um, and so, I was able to get into the mix here at Winthrop, and through a number of circumstances about Winthrop and uh, a number of really, really significant opportunities, in my opinion, uh, ended up being a really positive experience um i joke that uh my first time ever stepping foot in the state of south carolina was during my second round of interviews Hmm. because the first round was actually done up in charlotte and so you know i truly came from completely outside um the community uh but it's been it's been awesome and we've got a lot of opportunity here and i started july 11th and so here in about six days on january 11th it'll officially be my six-month mark and They haven't asked me to leave yet, so I think things are going okay so far.
0: Wow. So you you talk a little bit, and obviously I'm biased about this part of the country, but you talk a little bit about um, some of the unique opportunities that were presented and and why Winthrop was so attractive. So can you paint a little bit of a picture uh, for listeners who maybe don't know as much about Winthrop as people in in this part of the country do and and why it was attractive for someone who's spent his life on the West Coast?
1: absolutely um i um in my in my you know career so far i've I've been intentional about trying to collect and develop relationships with some mentors and people that I can bounce ideas off of and get and in, in, you know information from and, and advice from uh and from those mentors, a couple of things I've been encouraged to always look out for is you know don't 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 be in a hurry like a lot of people are you know get that temptation, and I was no different in a hurry you want to become an a d that you don't really spend time evaluating when an option comes in front of you and when you're, when you're, you know, applying it for the first time, you know, you don't get the luxury of always being picky, but if you can be picky, you know, evaluate the things that matter most. And the advice I was given is, you know, can you find a place that has had a history of success that has a foundation for, um, being able to recruit through facilities and through excellence in their brand. Um, and then another big concept is, you know, can you have a really positive, um, Powerful relationship with your university president that's another important piece, and so as I evaluated you know looking at Winthrop and potential fit, um, from my perspective, all those things you know were really, really um, highly situated. Um, I knew about Winthrop from their uh, two thousand and seven trip to the NC two a tournament where they knocked off Notre Dame as an 11, six upset um, in, in a in a weird set of circumstances, that game was played in Spokane, where I was actually living. I actually was at the game. Not only was I there, though, me and my friends to try and get good tickets, we decided we would call the team with the farthest to travel and ask to buy tickets in their allotment. Well, that happened to be Winthrop that year. So you not be only was I me. at the game, I was sitting in the Winthrop. Section you have when to they'd be, be Notre kidding. Dame me. 10 years ago. <laughs> Ken, that's insane. That is yeah, hilarious. It's actually it's a really cool story. And I think to some extent it helped, you know, I believe a lot of. Connection through story. Uh, it, there are a lot of relationships grow that way. So it was a helpful to have a story like that when I interviewed here. Um, but that really started my familiarity with Winthrop. Um, so here I am, applying ten years later. Another really unique set of circumstances is um, Winthrop University's president, uh, Dan Mahoney. He is the first president in the history of higher education to get to a presidency chair for my sport management faculty background. He was a sport management faculty before he became Dean at Kent state and then became win- uh, the, the president here at Winthrop, well, wow. as an athletic director, um, you know, not having to educate your president about some basic foundational elements of college athletics is, is a huge plus, right. but uh, it, it's a whole new level with my president. I mean, there's probably things he knows better than I do about the industry. Uh, and so for me, that was another chance to, to have a great, um, president that that truly understands how athletics can be an asset to the mission of the institution, but also could be operated as a mentor to me. I mean, uh, and and it's a little bit more deep for for me because my dissertation was all about um, donor motivations and donor constraints within the world of intercollegiate athletics. Well, in that world of um, academic literature, there are four primary research articles that were written, one of which was written by my president. So not only is he the only sport management president, you know, the sport management president with a sport management background, I was also already highly familiar with his research before even meeting him at the interview for the first time. Um, and so there, there there were some pieces to it that made it a really natural fit and what that's taken all the way into and something that I, I couldn't be more excited about in this job because I've, for the last seven years while working up in Spokane, uh, I've worked at Eastern Washington University, but I've also taught adjunct at Gonzaga University where I got my master's. Right. And teaching is a, is a part of the experience that's important to me um, as we are, you know, a division of a higher ed institution where academics is the primary mission of our of our uh, university. So not only did I was I offered the job to be the athletic director, but the president asked if I would be willing to co-teach a class with him. In history and current issues in sport, which I was obviously accepted ecstatically. So, um, a week from Tuesday, oh, sorry, this coming Tuesday will actually be our very first class where we're co-teaching that class together. And I'm pretty sure that's another first. I don't think there's been any other AD president combo to ever co-teach a class in the history of higher education. I, I so hope the students, all those pieces yeah. together make it a really, really unique and exciting place for me to for me to get to come. No so.
0: kidding. I hope the students realize what kind of opportunity that is. I mean, that's incredible. I mean, whatever, whatever you want to believe the whole, like it was meant to be, that's pretty darn close.
1: It goes pretty deep here. <laughs> yeah.
0: No kidding. Uh, and in the the first six months um, talk about surprises, challenges, uh, things you're excited about what's maybe on the horizon.
1: Yeah. Um, one thing I would say, uh, and I, and this is again, testament to the leadership that's been in place uh, here for the last year and a half or so, at Winthrop, the way that the athletic director search was done is that the final round, the final four candidates came to campus. It was highly public, it was very public in Rock Hill and on campus. Each candidate went in front of as many possible constituencies and stakeholders that you could imagine. Hmm. Um, and so there was a huge opportunity for me as a candidate to learn about all things Winthrop. And so when, when I've been asked that question, what's been your biggest surprise? What I, What I would honestly say is, the biggest surprise for me is how few surprises have really popped up as we've gone into it. I I really was given a great opportunity to understand all the strengths and really all the weaknesses. So a lot of things that have happened, we were able to anticipate and work through. Um, So like as an example, one, one, you know, challenge that has happened here that we knew was going to happen is um, there was the, the uh, for the last 20 years or so, a lot of the same amazing people, have been serving Winthrop Athletics and all been heading towards retirement about the same time. So the previous athletic director had been here 25 years. He was the AD for 20 of those years. Um, he recently retired. Um, his number two essentially retired along with him. Um, we've, you know, there's a, there's a number of there's quite a bit of turnover uh, in my first six months here. And so that's one of those things we talk about. You're going to go backwards before you go forward. So in the long term, it's a great opportunity to bring some some folks in to, to jump on board. Uh, it was a direction that I'm hoping to try and collaborate and, and move towards. Uh, but also in the beginning, like I would say, I think there's, you know, I think I would say there's over of the people who, who all, um, uh, left for whatever reason within a, you know, two or three month window, mm-hmm. there was collectively over a hundred years of worth of Winthrop specific experience that left and went out the door all at the same time. Oh wow. And so a lot of relearning, a lot of process rebuilding, um, and a lot of reeducating on, um, the direction we want to go. Those those are some of our early challenges, but, but again, you know, we say every solution creates a new problem, but every problem has a solution tied to it. And so as we're working towards the solutions, it's been exciting to bring in um, so, some folks that, that, you know, I'm big on, you know, when I hire uh, second, you know, skill set and experiences or secondary attitude and energy is the number one thing we look for here. And so being able to bring a lot of that uh, attitude and positive attitude and energy into our department. And so far it's been it's been fun and it's been really positive. Yeah, so.
0: And in terms of talent, I mean, you're, you're on the outskirts of Charlotte. Uh, there are, I'm sure, many talented uh, executives and people <clears throat> coming out of college to pull from. But did anybody come with you? Did you recruit anyone from your uh, past spots?
1: Nope. Uh, I did not recruit anyone specifically to come with me. Um, I, you know, I wanted to make sure And in hiring here. One of the challenges we have on campus geographically is there is a physical mile separating the the primary campus with the athletic facilities. And so um, one of the things we had worked to do was to start building that that theoretical bridge between our campus leadership and our our, uh, staff here in the athletic department. And so I I was very intentional about, in the recruiting process of some of these positions, actually asking uh, members of non-athletic staff members people in our budget office, people in our foundation, people in our facilities office to um, serve on committees to help recruit for these positions. Um, And so I, am one that I I truly believe in a collaborative process where input from others is, is valuable. Um, I didn't have any specific people in mind. I had some thoughts, but um, you know, our new senior associate athletic director Renee miles, she came to us from Alabama and i I'd never met her before to know who she was. Um, But through the interview process, she came through, she has her doctorate. She has a passion for education as well. Um, You know, she was, she ended up becoming a a really valuable asset that didn't know was out there the day we posted the position. Um, And so we've had some of that, um, you know, we've uh, hired, you know, one person that I did know previously, but was at a different institution was in Eastern Washington, Uh, you know, with the hiring, it's, it's, you know, I I like to see what's out there um, and, and, and really, and create a collaborative environment to see what's going to work here in Rock Hill. Because, uh, you know, for me, um, not coming, not having lived in the South at all, it was big to have influence from people who understand the Rock Hill community. It's a very tight um, community. It's not a suburb of Charlotte. I mean, once you cross that Catawba River, I'm sure you can, you can attest to, you know, where Fort Mills on the North side of the river and would consider itself a suburb of Charlotte, Rock Hill is its own, has its own identity and its own community. And I needed to be thoughtful of that community before just going out and picking who I thought would help us integrate, uh, more deeply here. So, right. um, you know, yeah, I would say I try to keep, keep a collaborative process as much as possible.
0: Sure. You mentioned what you look for, high energy, passion, things like that. What do you think, um, or maybe, you know, um, from direct feedback from the search committee, um, what was it about you that you think pushed you to the top of uh, those that group of four candidates?
1: Well, uh, what, what I do know is uh, it wasn't it wasn't black and white that I was crystal clear number one, <laughs> and I, I've got no problem saying that. And I knew, you know, the, the number one knock on me was going to be up until I'd done it. If you never sat as an athletic director before, there are certain decisions that you have just never been yours to make, right? And so that that was a concern, um, you know not a ton of experience in athletics. I haven't been in the industry for a super long time compared to some others. So those were some concerns about me that I was going to need to overcome. Um, And then obviously I think some, some pieces that I knew would be valuable because uh, uh, this is something I was intentional about uh, when I first started in the industry is I wanted to make sure that whenever the day came that I'd be applying to be an athletic director, that I was a truly differentiated candidate. And so what I spent time on, in my career, is from an experience standpoint, I focused primarily on revenue generation, and so um, uh, I was able to develop some experience in revenue generation. But from a personal development standpoint, I also wanted to have that um, doctoral degree, and and I believe that when I was ready to to then apply for a position, um, I had two two things that was probably going to be a unique combination, in that PhD teaching experience but also practical experience specifically on the revenue and the external side. Um, and so I think that's something that was here. Uh, one area that has room for growth is fundraising and sponsorship development. Uh, and so I was a, a, a strong candidate from that perspective. Um, another area of r- room for improvement was connection to the community. Um, and I feel like I demonstrated somebody who's, who's great at building bridges with people from all backgrounds to, to develop community. Um, and then... Integration into the academic community is a big is a big deal here because um, the core mission of our institution is, is crystal clear no matter what part of campus you're on. And I do think that the, the university was looking for a candidate that would complement the academic mission of the institution. And, and so obviously the teaching experience and the passion for teaching um, and, and my uh, doctoral experience was another asset that all those things combined helped maybe offset some concern about inexperience. Um, as an athletic director. Well, I
0: think that's a good segue. So you're in the uh, rising star, I'd say, category here, and yet you're in that athletic director role. Um, So when you look back, you know, on your career, that early career is outside of sports. Uh, Do you think that helped you maybe give you a more unique perspective uh, once you did step foot in the industry?
1: Yeah, um, I think, you know... you talked to I've I've heard this conversation had with people a lot of times um, this belief that if you ever if you're in athletics you leave it it's really hard to come back um, and I I sometimes I'm on the fence on if I think that's true or not and and I'm one who I started early early on in athletics and then I took a departure into the financial industry and went to work for a bank for a little bit and and got some of the most incredible experience and I think some of the most valuable experience I could have received. Yeah. It's sorry to Um, interrupt. Can you just
0: kind of walk through, could you walk through that early career?
1: So you graduate? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I finished my master's degree at Gonzaga university. It started on my doctorate right away. And in the meantime, my very first job out of college, I was uh, the equipment manager for a community college up in Spokane, Washington, literally the little man on the totem pole, setting up tables, tearing down first to first to show up last to go, that kind of stuff. Um, And then from there was able to make a jump when I was realizing I I wanted to spend time generating revenue was able to make a jump over to Eastern Washington university, um, as their outsourced, um, sponsorship sales rep at the time they were were, they were with a company called KP sports who has since been acquired by Learfield. So, um, in the world of multimedia rights, I was essentially the Learfield rep. It just wasn't Learfield yet. Um, so I was developing experience doing that and, um, through that, was approached by a bank to do some business development for their campus uh, solutions um, division, and it was a really unique, creative um, opportunity that I got really excited about. They made the fi- they made a financial pitch that was pretty significant, and so I, I took the leap and jumped over and got to spend about a year working for a bank trying to work on campus partnerships. So I was still able to stay integrated with higher ed, but work in a, in a um, private, in the private sector and understand the financial industry uh, and learn a lot more about life outside of higher ed from a professional standpoint. And then about a year later, Eastern Washington university created a brand new position where they did not yet have an associate ID for external affairs. And so they created that. Um, I went back to uh, Eastern and uh, competed for that job and was lucky enough to get it back. And I realized when I was out of it, all I could think about, you know, every day was college athletics. You know, I had a great banking job, but it still ended at five o'clock every day. Um, And I I just, my mind was still in college athletics. And so uh, I was lucky enough to get the job back at Eastern um, as the associate AD for external affairs. And then uh, not too long after that was promoted to deputy athletic director. So that's, uh, and it was from Eastern in the deputy athletic director role that I got this job down here at Winthrop. Um, and then through all that, I was able to finish my PhD on the side. But one of the comments I was going to make about you know, experience outside the sector, outside of the world of higher ed, um, I think I can go both ways. I, I believe if you're a person who is really adamant and, and aggressive about starting and maintaining relationships, not because of what the relationship can do for you, but because you're just chronically curious about getting to know people and creating connection, no matter where that connection may lead, there's always a way back somewhere if you manage your relationships the right way and so i I joke I had a colleague at this at the bank I worked for who still will call me every now and then and say, "Hey, Ken, remind me why you um went back to higher ed where you worked twice as many hours for half the pay and he gives me a hard time about it um and i and I just I think that's you know people who really climb and, and make it and advance in college athletics there's something about it where they they can't let it go um, in spite of the fact that it's it's often way more hours for a lot less pay than you might be able to get in, in the private sector, private industry. So, um, you know, yeah, it's something that really helped feed the revenue side that I think is so important in higher ed because it's really hard to be in athletics anymore today and not at least have an understanding of how to generate some revenue. So any differences
0: between how universities operate on the West coast versus the East coast, you know, that may be a silly question, but just curious if there's any kind of cultural differences or maybe that's just unique to each you know institution or, you know, what you've seen maybe in that regard.
1: I mean, I think it's an interesting question. I don't know that I have the answer because, you know, um, I've worked for a few institutions on the West coast and that by no means means I'm can, I, I don't think I'm an authority on West coast, you know, higher ed, right? Cause, cause so many schools are different. Um, you know, the first one that comes to mind obviously is, um, just geographic. So the Southeast handles snow differently than the Northeast, but I think that that's not specific to higher ed. (laughs) Um, but what I do know, the biggest difference, I, I think the biggest difference is simply, um, geographic proximity to your competitors. Um, you know, the big South is not unlike most East coast conferences. You can drive to most of your, um, you know, competitions, the big sky conference where I came from, uh, it actually, it spans three time zones. Um, you can play, you know, you can leave Spokane, Washington, head down to play Northern Arizona university, and then go right from NAU and head up to university of North Dakota and get back to Spokane on one trip. I mean, that's a huge, there's a lot of miles between those trips. So at Eastern, there were two schools in conference that we would drive to everything else was a flight. Um, at, at, uh, here in the big South conference, we drive to everything. So I think proximity to other colleges is the, is the biggest difference between the Pacific Northwest and the entire East coast. Um, and I was literally driving through North Carolina yesterday and I was forgetting like North Carolina has a ton of colleges. Um, you know, you don't think about that until you're actually driving through and seeing the signs that each exit. it. And so yeah, it's
0: that, unbelievable. that changes
1: things financially, but, but I'd say that's the biggest difference so far that I've experienced.
0: Right, and then in your conference, I know there's, you've got UNC Asheville, uh, and then High Point. That's yep. a unique university, and and, and it's relatively new. Or, it is. It,
1: I got to see it for my first time. Uh, are, a is everything of days I'm ago. reading? Is
0: that all legit? I mean, is, aren't don't they have some crazy amenities? I think that article kind of got
1: forwarded around a few years ago. It is. It is Disney World. It is. A, it is an absolute <laughs> resort. Um, one of the comments that was made, I think, that really defines because they they're they're a high tuition school, um, and their school operates and survives because they continue to invest in maintaining high value for your high tuition, Um, and they do an incredible job of it. So as an example, there is a steakhouse on campus that is only available to students. Staff and faculty are not allowed to eat there. Students are allowed to swipe their card there. I think it's once a week or twice a week, Um, and that steakhouse does not operate in and of itself to, to, to make a profit the purpose of that steakhouse is so that when recruiting students, they see the value and that high tuition. Um, and they're, you know, what institutions talk about a discount rate, they have one of the lowest discount rates in the country. They create extremely significant value for their students from the minute they wake up to the minute they go to sleep at night, every single day. Um, it's just a different value proposition. Um, and they protect it. They protect, I mean, I I think at what they're trying to do, they do it incredibly. Um, and just, some of the people I've met there that worked there their commitment to their student athletes shows up in their de- I mean to their students across the entire campus shows up everywhere and I think all colleges do a great job but I mean they're intentional about it so yeah high points a very unique very unique world and um if that's if that's kind of option the students are looking for they they provide it extremely well
0: yeah i mean being from north carolina myself i, I immediately think of furniture so when when that article started <laughs> <Yes>. going around <laughs> I you know, said, so, OK, roll my eyes. But for someone that maybe isn't as familiar with the association, uh, but you know, from High Point to the furniture and they see that article, they may be they may think that High Point is this big city or booming metropolis or something outside of you know the Piedmont area. It couldn't be further from the truth. So <laughs> it's right. Just, right. It's funny to hear about. Um, OK, so let's now pivot a little bit here again, you talked about what you look for, uh, when you hire, you talked a little bit about mentors, anyone else that's helped shaped you. And, and frankly, that's helped you ramp up so quickly. You know, I know there's a lot of people that, uh, you know, we've had other people on, uh, on the podcast that, you know, pay their dues and, uh, in, in your space and, and then eventually become AD, you know, a decade later, um, you've, again, you've moved quickly. So uh, do you attribute that to, we've talked about your experience, but who are some other mentors and maybe some good advice that you've received over the years and what you like to pass along as well?
1: Yeah, good question. Um, gosh, I could give names for hours. I mean, the very, very first one that comes to mind is, is, a, is a professor I had at Willamette University. You know, um, his name is Stasino Stavrenes. He's Greek. He's an exercise science and nutrition professor and I can vividly remember the day as an undergrad, very, very average student at best. And maybe I'm giving myself too much credit. (laughs) Um, And I'd asked him, you know, like, you think if I ever tried to go get a PhD, you think I could do it? And his answer was unequivocally, without hesitation, yes. You need to stop thinking about how smart you are or aren't and start thinking about how hard you're willing to work for it, how persistent you're willing to be because it's persistence that gets you to that degree. It's persistence that gets you to your professional goals. It's not, you know, your intelligence level is something you can't change at this point. You can just change how hard you work for it. And so that really stuck with me and resonated to me. And in hindsight, you know, getting my doctorate didn't come easy, Uh, it didn't go quick. It didn't come without really significant challenges that would take a long time to tell. Um, and, And I think it's, you know, if anything, persistence that allowed that to happen in a lot of other things professionally. So he was a big one um, in the world of AD mentors. Um, uh, the biggest one has been my, my boss for the last five years at in Eastern Washington, uh, Bill Chaves. Um, he's been incredible. And then I've gotten to connect with some others. So Tommy McClellan uh, at the time, he was the athletic director at McNeese state. Now he's at Louisiana tech um, Brad Teague at central Arkansas. Uh, he has his doctor as well. And he's a, you know, he, he's done some fascinating things in his career. Um, Justin Sellup at South Dakota State is one who's um, helps coach me in a number of things from uh, facility development and, and, and just a number of things from there. So there's a lot of ats I've, uh, ADs I've connected with. Another big one, uh, because it's where I taught for a while, and we also uh, both have our um, degrees from the same very small private liberal arts college in, at Willamette University, is Mike Roth. He's the athletic director at Gonzaga. Um, and so just trying to spend time whenever, you know, if I'm at a conference or I get to know somebody and have a chance to connect a little bit, I tried to work at making a habit to follow up and then see if I can't at times schedule intentional calls to just check in on questions I have in the industry, um, things I've experienced. And so I, I try to be intentional about stuff like that. And I found you know, I've yet to meet somebody when I've asked that question, say, you know, no, I'd rather not help you out. <laughs> I mean, right. it's a very, I mean, people want to see people succeed. Um, and then I've got others that aren't in the industry, other professors. Um, I could spend a lot of time on it. And, and the other thing I would, if I were to offer advice, it's it's not just the people who have made it that I connect with and try and learn from, but I also try to really connect with my peers that are coming up right now along with me and and, and try to not ever make the mistake that I, you know, looked past my peers to the ones who'd made it because they're, they're the ones that I'm going to have to be doing, you know, business with every day. They're, they're coming along as well. And so there's a lot of people I've worked side by side with that I've learned just as much from, if not more um, that are trying to do the same thing I'm trying to do right now. And in, in timing, it doesn't mean I did anything better or faster. It just means that I had a more unique set of circumstances or, or, or whatever. Um, but, you know, really, I just believe it's, it's a people business. And so never letting a bridge burn, is the greatest way to to get where you're trying to go, um, which is another like the way I got my job at Eastern was unique in that I had reached out to somebody I'd never met before, who to this day is another mentor of mine. His name's Tim Simonowski. He's the associate vice president for advancement at Western Washington University. He was at Eastern. I called him blindly to say, could we grab coffee and connect? Uh, and I started picking his brain, I and mean, we've been in touch ever since. And in hindsight, that one story sounds like a a unique circumstance that he could then call me one day and said, Hey, we have this unique sponsorship job at Eastern. Are you interested? Um, But uh, I, I was reading recently, you know, one story in and of itself may sound like an extreme coincidence, but if you plant hundreds of those connections, you significantly increase your likelihood that at least one of those connections will turn into a unique circumstance, if that makes sense. So, so it's not just that some unique things have happened, but I, I do try to intentionally connect with people everywhere I go so that eventually one of these days, something pretty unique is bound to happen. And I think that's showed itself a few times.
0: Sure. So, uh, now on the personal side, uh, you've got a young family, correct? Yep, absolutely. Uh, so how- got the...
1: eight-year-old boy, four-year-old boy, and a six-week-old baby girl that just got here in November.
0: Oh, wow. So piece of cake, in other words. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> uh, so how, have, how has your family assimilated to the East Coast and South Carolina?
1: You know, I, 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 was, I was wondering about that. You know, I grew up in Oregon. It's where my family is. My wife grew up also in Oregon. It's where her family is. Um, and I wasn't, wasn't quite sure how this was going to go, but it was just a few days ago I was talking to my wife and just reflecting on all that's brought us from there to here and all the goals that we have as a family. And she had made the comment that since the moment she knew I was a finalist to today, she hasn't felt an inch of homesickness. It's been a really positive experience, and that's that's a credit to Winthrop University as, as well as the city of Rock Hill. Um, they've treated us unbelievably positively, um, and I think to some extent, you know, my wife and I are unique in that we've taken steps to intentionally acknowledge this is our career and not just my career. Um, you know. In the South, um, I think there's a lot of properness associated with relationship building. So, you know, we're being invited to dinners all the time. And my wife is the one who's adamant about sending thank you cards that are handwritten and following up and things like that, it's details like that that have helped this as well be such a positive experience. And so um, for this career and this industry and this we're working on is something that my wife also takes very seriously and that's helped it be really positive. So. So far it's been, we wouldn't change a thing about it. It's been, it's been amazing.
0: Great. Uh, So we can wrap things up here by what is next for you? What's next from winter? What can you look out for?
1: Well, um, you know, being, being that we're not a football school and we get, we get that question all the time you're in South Carolina. Uh, I believe the stat is that Rock Hill per capita has the most active NFL players of any other state in the country. Or any other city in the country. Okay. Um, so there's a lot of why don't you guys have football? And that was that was researched extensively here. Um, as of right now, we're not adding it. Uh, it would take uh, a much larger enrollment in addition to a student body that overwhelmingly wants to pay a student fee to help add it. Um, and so without football, you know, football has a lot of attention and helps helps with a lot of revenue opportunities across the entire institution. So what the big question we're tackling is. You know, how do we add football revenue without adding football expense? Right. and And we're looking into tackling that right now. We've got some ideas. um, we're doing our due diligence. We're doing our research to try and pull those together. so hopefully some of those things can can become more public in the not too distant future. Um, and then if we can answer that question, if we can come up with a good solution as to how to identify new sustainable revenue streams, then there's going to then then we start to build into what we're also. Uh, At the same time, building is a collaborative strategic plan for our department and how it's going to feed the strategic plan for the university to put us in a position to be successful 10 years from now. So that in 10 years, we've got competitive facilities, we've got student athletes competing at a high level, but also performing academically at an extremely high level that we're still growing and that we have a significant financial reserve. Um, those are factors that we want to put into place. And so we're slowly taking the steps to try and get there intentionally. And I think the way you do that is by defining what you want to get to in that amount of time and then defining the map, the roadmap for how to get there. So those are the things that we're trying to do. I think we've got a lot of creative ideas, um, but you know, creative ideas are a dime a dozen. The challenge comes in executing them. and, And so we're working hard at identifying what we can execute, what's feasible um, and how to best protect our revenue picture without sacrificing um, the best possible experience for our student athletes.
0: Great stuff. Well, I, I think the it's clear after listening to this, uh, revenue generation, everyone just needs to go out and quickly get a PhD. Right. <laughs> no. Uh, no, no. But in, in all seriousness, you know, that obviously helped you. But I think your experience outside of the industry and in uh, around and focusing on that revenue generation has been key, obviously, to your uh, rise in the space. So congratulations again on the new role. I wish you uh, all the best of luck, uh, continued success. I'm just up the street. So we got to get together in person at some point. It was great to be uh, connected to you through uh, Troy Kirby, who was on uh, a couple of episodes ago. But uh, thank you again. Uh, and good luck surviving this oncoming onslaught of a quarter inch of snow.
1: I appreciate Appreciate that. We brought our snow gear with us. So we're going to make it through. Thank okay, thanks. Ken. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to the Front Office Exchange, where you hear about the careers of some of the leading executives in sports business. Visit us at frontofficeexchange.com, on Facebook, at Front Office Exchange, and on Twitter, at Front Office EXCH, to access past episodes, show notes, and much, much more.